Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Y'all are a wild bunch this morning, and I love it. All right, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you would bless me this morning, that you would touch me, encourage me, as well as encourage the people, God. Strengthen us all, God, all of us who are tired in our bodies, who've pressed our way, all those who are at home who are logging on when they could be doing any other thing, God. I'm praying that you give us something extra and supernatural that would take us into next week and cause us to have a great week. Now, God, I'm praying that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth, that you would illuminate the hearts and the ears of the listeners, and no one's coming would be in vain. Move up and down every aisle, in and out, every road, touch from the pulpit all the way to the parking lot, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on with your Bibles in your hands. Would you repeat after me, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. We connect to our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Pastor Andre, preach this word. Come on, put your hands together this morning. All right, we're going to go straight to this scripture, Psalms 102 and 13. I'm going to read it. It says, thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion For the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. I'll read it again. Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion. For the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. And basically what that means in God, there is a set time. There is a specific time. There is a just a God moment time that I like to say that is a set time. So what I'm going to do, and I'm going to give us a definition of moment, and then I'll tell you what the title is. The definition of moment is this, a brief period of time, that's what a moment means, and number two, an exact point in time. If we put it together, a brief exact point in time, a brief moment, but an exact point in time, it's brief But it's exact. In other words, if you miss it, you miss it. It's powerful, it's special, but it's just a moment. Somebody say just a moment. So knowing that and knowing that definition, here's the title for today. The title for today is simply this, maximizing my moment. Maximizing my moment. Now, I didn't say maximizing your moment because I want to make it personal but maximizing my moment. Somebody say that with me. Say maximizing Maximizing. my moment. 
maximizing my moment. In other words, since moment is a brief period of time, but also an exact point in time, that means that not every moment is the same. Hidden in the word momentum is the word moment. And many times in order to build momentum, we have to understand and maximize every moment because moments are not guaranteed to come back around. You cannot afford in this season to miss your moment. The Lord told me uh, about a month ago that Deliverance Temple was going to move into a season of miracles, that miracles were going to begin to happen in the ministry. Now, he didn't really say what kind of miracles, but it didn't come to me as like healing miracles, as like uh, people being raised from the dead and limbs growing out, which would be awesome. But the only problem with those type of miracles, you got to be in a bad, bad way in order to need that. So what I saw as he said it was, I'm really believing financial miracles. I'm talking about stuff that doesn't seem to add up and make sense, but somehow God is lifting you up so that you don't depend on the Democrats and you don't depend on the Republicans. You depend on God and God alone. So no matter who gets in office, it's not going to mess up my miracle because I understand I'm going to maximize the moment so that I can grasp my miracle because miracles are made up of moments. So somebody say this, say maximizing my moment. All right, we're going to bring up another, another definition and it says a moment, but it actually should say maximize. These are definitions for maximize. Number one, to make as large or great as possible, to, to make it as large as great as possible. Let me talk to some of our, our elderly folk for just a second. There was a time that you could read your Bible with that little print. But then you went back to the store and said, give me that giant print Bible. I, I want them words as large as possible because I need to be able to see this. My, my, my mind and my eyes is playing tricks on me. And so now I saved all of y'all. I put it on the screen and make it real big. So if you can't see, you can look anywhere because we're trying to maximize it, make it as big as possible. But when it comes to your moment, you got to make your moment as large as possible. Let's go back to the second uh, point of that definition. To make the best use of. In other words, you have to make the best use of your moment. Here is the great qualifying of all of us. The great qualifying factor of all of us, whether we're rich, poor, whether we're black, white, whether we are wide or skinny, it doesn't make a difference. Here's the great qualifier of all of us. We all get the same amount of time. Bill Gates doesn't get any more time than I do. Elon Musk doesn't get any more time than I do. The homeless man doesn't get any more time than I do. We all get the same amount of time, but we all don't use time the same. We all don't understand and maximize our moments. One person will take their moment and maximize it. Another person will take their moment and do something else. Let me give you a, a, a basketball story, and, and I'm, I'm going to blame you, Rob. I seen you in the audience, and it made me think of basketball immediately. So, so let me give you the basketball analogy of the great Kobe Bryant. 
Uh, and this was told of Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson and Kobe Bryant were drafted in the same draft class. And they both were amazing. I believe Allen won the rookie of the year. But after Kobe Bryant tragically died, they were talking to Allen Iverson about it. And Allen Iverson talked about the first time that they played each other or was going to play each other because they had a friendship. They decided that they would eat the night before the game. And so after they got done eating and the bill was paid, uh, Allen Iverson uh, said, I'm getting ready to go to such and such place, and I'm getting ready to party. Kobe, what you getting ready to do? And Kobe said, I'm going to the gym. And Allen was like, well, what you doing going to the gym? We, you don't need to go to the gym. Let, let's go party. And Kobe said, no, you party. I'm going to the gym. Now, Allen was great, but Kobe was greater. Because Kobe understood, I got to maximize the moment. While everybody else is playing, I'm going to be working on my craft. Because greatness requires me to make the most of every moment. I'm not saying you can't party every now and then. You can't enjoy yourself every now and then. But if you want to be great, if you want to see a season of miracles, you got to learn how to maximize your moments. All right, let's. Let's, let's keep pushing a little bit. Let's, let's put this up here. Chronos and Kairos. So there are two words for time in Greek. And the New Testament is translated from Greek into English for us. And these, these two words, and the first word is chronos. The second word is kairos. Chronos is something easy for us to understand because it, it's where we get our word uh, chronological or a chronological order or chronological time. And all it means, it means time in sequence. In other words, after 2 o'clock comes 3 o'clock. It's not 2 o'clock, then 7 o'clock. It has to follow a sequence. After Monday comes Tuesday. It's not Monday, then Friday. It's Monday, then Tuesday, then Wednesday. After January comes February. That's chronological time, and we all exist in chronological time. But God is eternal. And God does not exist in chronological time. So he is not relegated to the same time that we are on. So many times when it comes to God, we want God to move on our clock. And God has an entirely different clock he's moving on because he's in eternal and we are finite. And we're stuck in chronological time. But every now and then, eternity steps into time and it supersedes what is chronological and that's called a kairos moment. I'll give you an example. The Bible says of one person that he made a three-day journey in one day. What happened was kairos stepped into chronos and sped up and supernaturally uh, adjusted and shifted what would have been normal. And when it comes to a season of miracles, you can have a Kairos moment that supersedes everything that is normal. Yes, I know I, I, I didn't get my degree till 72, but at 73, my whole world changed and everything got blessed and turned upside down because that's a Kairos moment. I remember Bishop Jake's uh, talking to a friend of his and and he, he had just turned 60 years old and he was at this dinner with a whole lot of people and he was like, I just turned 60 so I'm winding down. 
the person next to him said, I won my first Nobel Prize at 65. So don't think just because you're 60, that means you got to go down. Just because the clock, the chronological clock says you're getting older, doesn't mean that the Kairos moment won't show up and turn things around. You may have been in a section eight house all your life and in one season of blessing, everything can turn around. A Kairos moment can shift things and move things and speed things up. And I don't know what's happening in the world. The world is going crazy, but God, I need your eternity to step into my time and speed some stuff up. The doctor said it would take me eight weeks to get healed, but heal me in two weeks. God, turn this thing around. I need a Kairos moment. So we need to learn how to maximize our moments. All right, let's let's put up uh, point number one. I did all that now. Hadn't even got to point number one. Point number one, you have to recognize and make the most of your moments. One of the best things you can do is stop worrying about everybody else's moment and make the best of your moment. What is she doing with him? What is he doing there? Why she got that job? Listen, it takes six months to mind your own business and another six months to stay out of my business. And that'll take you the whole year long. Learn how to maximize your moment. You know, you know what? I, I love to study other wealthy people because I like to, to grow. And I'm not saying that wealth is the apex of things, but I know broke ain't the apex of things, so... I know that, so I like to study wealthy people and things that they have done. But at some moment, I can't keep studying. I got to do some stuff for myself. I, I got to put some stuff into action for myself. I got to maximize my own moment. All right, so, so one of the ways I do it, I, I, I'll watch Netflix documentaries. I'll, 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 I'll listen to audible books and read. But guess what? All that reading and watching is not going to do me no good if I don't get out and do something for myself. And maximize my moment. All right, let's let's put up First Chronicles twelve thirty two a. I'm going to read this again, and after that, Mother Mitchell, I'm going to I'm going to put it on you and have you roll with us. But First Corinthians twelve thirty two a. It says, "And of the children of Issachar, these were the mighty men of David, and the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. This is not Chronos time." This is Cairo's time. They understood when God was moving in a particular moment and in a particular time. And so I'm reading that because it says men. It was men that have understanding of the times. But we're going to put this up, uh, uh, this point up real quick. Three women who maximized their moment. So I'm going to tell you, and I'm just going to run through these off of memory, three women in Scripture who maximized their moment. Men had an understanding of the time, but let me give you three women who maximized their moment. We talked about one of them about a month ago. One of them was Mary, the mother of Jesus, at the wedding when Jesus was turning water into wine, and they said, we ran out of wine, and Jesus, uh, Mary comes to Jesus, and Jesus was looking at her and said, my hour is not come. Mary didn't listen to nothing that Jesus said, turned to the service and said, do whatever he tells you to do. Because what Mary understood, this is the moment for my son to show who he really is. I, I know he's saying this ain't his hour and this is not his chronological time, but I'm stepping in and I'm calling in a Kairos moment to move on my 
child's behalf to have something happen. And let me just say this real quick. I know in Kronos time, your child got 25, 35, 45, 55, 65 years in prison in Kronos time. But God can step in in Kairos time. And the judge can see something entirely different. And next thing you know, that sentence get cut short. God knows how when he, God get good and ready, he can step in the middle of a regular time and turn some stuff around. There's another woman, uh, and then we don't even have her name. It's the woman with the issue of blood. And Jesus was not going in her direction. The Bible says Jesus was going to Jairus' house to hear heal Jairus' daughter. And the woman with the issue of blood said within herself, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. She didn't ask nobody's permission. She didn't check with Jesus. She didn't check with the pastor. She didn't check with the bishop. She didn't check with the congressman. She said in herself, if I can just touch his garment, I will be made whole. She knew in chronological order she never should have been outside because according to the issue that she had, she could have been in trouble by the law. But she didn't care about that. She took a Kairos chance and stepped and grabbed the hem of his garment. And the Bible says the moment she touched it, immediately she was made absolutely whole. She took a chance. I love a woman that will take a chance and take a step of faith even in chronological order Step and grab a Kairos moment. One final woman that we're going to talk about is the woman, the Syrophoenician woman. This is the Syrophoenician woman that was begging Jesus to do something for her child. And Jesus was a little rougher than he had been with most people. And he basically said, it's not meat to give the children's bread to the dogs. He basically was saying, this is not your hour. This is not your time. I came before I died to help the children of Israel. You're not a part of that family. You're not a part of that bloodline. So I really, I don't have to do what you're asking me to do. But then the woman said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. And she was saying, you don't have to give me the whole loaf, but you got to give me something. I'm going to grab a Kairos moment. I'm not leaving here tonight. I will not be tonight. I, I ain't going home the same way I came. I came broke, but I ain't going home. I ain't coming back broke. I came sick, but I ain't coming back sick. I'm maximizing my moment. I'm going to grab what I can when I can. Here's another thing that the woman had to understand. Whatever is in the cake is also in the crumb. So God, you ain't got to give me a house on the hill, but you got to give me something. You, you ain't got to, you ain't got to bless me like Beyonce and Jay-Z, but you got to do something for me. I'm going to maximize this moment. So those are three major women who maximized their moments. Go, let's go to point number two. Here's the thing. I'm going to slow down just a little bit. and I'm going to let my mother help me read. Your moment is often connected to someone else's momentum. Now, you can maximize your moment. You, you can make the most of your moment, but oftentimes, your moment is connected to someone else's momentum. Let, let me give you an example of that. Have you ever um, had, let, let's use it this way. Let me say it like this. A business or a restaurant that you really, 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 really love. It, it was the bomb, diggity bomb. It was, now I'm not talking about the, the, the big restaurants. I'm talking about the hole in the wall. 
the mom and pops. I'm talking about that, 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 that real, 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 real good eating. But then something happened where the business got passed down from the daddy and the mama down to the kids or the grandkids. And somehow it just don't taste the same. The sauce ain't the same. The service ain't the same. The Kool-Aid ain't the same. Do you even have any sugar in this? It's red, but it tastes like water. What, what, are, what, what y'all doing back there in the kitchen? How did y'all lose all the momentum? So here's the thing. Many times when you're maximizing your moment, you cannot mess up the previous momentum that's been handed down to you. That's why I'm very careful in whatever changes I make that I still honor the legacy of Bishop Clark and Bishop Mitchell because they handed the church down to me. I'm not just going to run off and do a whole bunch of stuff because I want to preserve and I want to uh, impact the legacy because the momentum, I don't want the momentum to die. Now, I, I, I took over the church in 2011. We got in this building in 2010. If in 2013 we was evicted out of this building, I did something terribly wrong. My father handed me a church with a brand new big building. I'm supposed to make it better, not make it worse. And I need to talk to some of y'all young folk real, real quick. Stop taking what mama and daddy gave you and just throwing and trampling over it. Well, 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 what you talking about, Pastor? What you talking? I'm talking about the information they give you. I'm talking about when they 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 sit you down. My mama used to call her. We getting ready to have a fireside chat. We didn't have no fireplace at all, but she sat us down and say we are gonna have a fireside chat, and that meant she was gonna give us some information that was gonna be beneficial for our future. It, it didn't make a whole lot of sense for the now, but it was going to be good for our future. Don't take what your parents say and just throw it on the ground and run over it because you're going to need it one day. All right, let, 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 let's bring up this, this next point. You have to protect momentum by making right decisions in the moment. Let me jump on our young folk again. Here's the problem that we have. Young people, they think and live for the moment. They, they forget that moments build momentum. So in the moment, you got to make the right choice. Because one choice can change your life forever. Getting in the wrong car can change your life forever. I know young men that roll with the wrong person to do the wrong thing and now they locked up behind bars because they accomplished to a crime because they got in the wrong car at the wrong time, had the wrong friend at the wrong time. In the moment, you got to make the best decision in the moment. And let me jump off of the kids for just a second. Let me talk to y'all grown folk. I know you're saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, but you can't lay down with everybody. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. I know, listen, I know your body is raging, your mind is going crazy, but some of that stuff will cost you for days. I know some of y'all, y'all got kids that y'all love with baby daddies and baby mamas y'all cannot stand. Because once the thrill was gone, you found out how crazy they were. And now you got to raise babies with somebody crazy. You got to learn how to make the right decision in the moment. 
So chill in the moment and make the right decision. All right, let, let, let's see. I, there, there's so many examples I can give, but the scripture gives us a perfect example that I want my mother to help us read, and that's going to really bring this point home. Let's look at First Quran, Second Chronicles 10 and 1. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone there to make him king. Give you just a little backdrop in chapter 9. The queen of Sheba has come and seen all that Solomon has. And she is so overwhelmed and blessed beyond measure at what Solomon has. And she's just like, uh, she's like, he's awesome. And it goes all the way down chapter 9 talking about all of that Solomon has. And all the way at the end of chapter 9, it says Solomon has died. So Rehoboam was Solomon's son. David was Solomon's father. So David passed it to Solomon. Solomon made it even better. It's, it was so great that it said silver in the land of Israel was like nothing. Silver, because everything was so decked out with gold and jewels that silver didn't even mean anything because he had took that, that, that whole land and maximized it to the highest level. And here comes Rehoboam coming along. And let's see, can he take that thing to the next level? All right, let's read the next verse. So they sent for Jeroboam, and he and all Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him. All right, let's, let's continue to go. Verse 4. Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. One of the reasons why Solomon was so amazing is that when he got the land, he made everybody work. Look, everybody got to go to work. We're we going to make something out of this country, but everybody got to work. Your sons, your daughters, your frogs, your fish, every, everything is working. And there's nothing wrong with that. When, when those people who are starting business, when you first start a business, you got to work, 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 work. Some people talk about grind. You got to get on your grind. That's how you make it. But there comes a working season, and then there comes a resting season. When you start working folk in the resting season, they start backing up away from you. Now, now when, when we first started, it was okay to pay me seven twenty-five because we was building stuff. But now you profitable. I need you to go ahead and raise my money up a little bit. No, just work, work, work. And, and it, it, it's crazy. When I first started working, I know I don't look this old, but when I first started working, uh, minimum wage was four twenty-five an hour. That was in nineteen ninety-five. In two thousand and twenty, folks are still getting paid seven twenty-five. So that means it's only gone up a dollar a decade. So what, what does that also mean? It means that we got some profitable folk who just greedy. Look, you're making all kinds of money. The CEO makes $200,000 a month, and you mean you can't give me more than $725? And sometimes people are saying, oh, folk don't want to work. No, they don't want to work for them wages. They don't mind working, but, but the pandemic has taught some folk I can do bad all by myself. So the people came to Ram Bowman and said, listen, your father, he did what he had to do. He worked us. But if you would lighten the load on us, guess what? We're going to serve you. We, we can roll this. Everything was already done and taken care of. Let's look at the next uh, verse, verse 5. Rehoboam answered, come back to me in three days, 
So the people went away. I respect Rehoboam for this. I, I, I need to maximize the moment and I have a decision in the moment, but I'm going to take some time to make the decision. Let, let me throw this out there. This is not really in the message, but let me just throw this out to you for those people who, who uh, are just so I can help you. When you go to the car dealership, they will always try to make you believe you've got to buy today. This deal won't be here tomorrow. But listen, don't ever make a, a, a major decision in 24 hours. Take your time. Listen, if, the, if that's the car for me, it's going to be there. Can't nobody get what belonged to me. I ain't making no decision. I'm going home. I'm talking to my wife. I'm looking at the bank. I, I, no, I do, do not rush me. I am not in a rush. Because here's the thing you got to understand. That new car smell will wear off, but the payments will still have to come. You no longer like the car. You got french fries under the seat, but the bank still want their money. So when it comes time to making decisions, some ways to maximize the moment is take your time. Rehoboam said, just give me three days. I'm going to make a decision. Let's look at verse 6. Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon, his father, while he was yet alive, saying, how do you advise me to answer this people? I love how Rehoboam is working. Number one, he's taking three days to decide. Number two, I'm going to talk to the older people who've already lived where I'm trying to go. I'm going to ask their advice first. I, I love a young person who's wise enough to go to somebody who's already lived and ask them what they think. Let's look at verse 7. And they said to him, if you will be good to this people and please them and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. Let me, let, let me hook you up and let me tell you something, big, big leader. If you would just speak well to them, if you would just lighten the load a little bit, if you would tell them how, how good they are. Let, let, let me tell you, sometimes I had to tell a husband this while I was counseling them for their marriage. My, my wife doesn't like me. My wife, don't, she ready to walk on, out on me. My wife is tired of me. I asked him, when's the last time you encouraged your wife? When's the last time you complimented your wife? When's the last time you took your wife out to eat? When's the last time you opened the door for your wife? When's the last time your wife got flowers just for no reason? Uh, before I counsel you anymore, go for two weeks and go do some of this and then come back and see me later. And I get a call. Oh, Pastor, my marriage is working fine. Everything's okay. See, of course, you wasn't doing the little stuff. See, some things are simpler than what we make them to be. Just learn how to do the little stuff. If you would just be kind to people, if you would just show your pearly whites and, and your 64, 36, or 20, however many you got left, smile and show what you got left and just learn how to make the most of the moment. So the older advised him, listen, this is your moment. They will be with you forever. Let's look at verse 8. But he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him. Oh, man, Rehoboam, he was doing good, man. You, I, I like what you was doing, but you abandoned the counsel of the old man, Reed? And took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. Oh, oh man. Oh, bro, no, man. You, you, you mean you had counsel with older people who already lived there, 
but you chose to listen to folk you grew up with who don't know no more than you know. Who ain't been farther than you been. You got your dad who's 50 and your friend who's 14 and you're going to listen to the 14-year-old over the 50-year-old. Oh, Ray Bowman. Oh, man, come on. Come on, dog. You tripping, bro. You tripping. Let me throw this out there. Your 14-year-old, he don't even change his drawers every day. He'll go two and three days. His mama got to remind him to put deodorant on. You don't want to take counsel with folk you grew up with because they don't know no more than you know. Don't throw your life away. Listen to folk who don't know nothing. I'm not dogging them, but guess what? We all was young and dumb at one time. I mean, let me talk about boys. They say boys' minds, our minds, our minds don't even connect till we 25. Girls, they're around 18 to 21. But boys are dumb for a long time. We, we, I love us, but we stay stupid for a long time. So stop taking counsel from the folk who are grown up with you and listen to some older folk. I may not look it, but I'm 45 and I know some stuff. I done tried some stuff. I've already been down the road and I can tell you the bridge is out. Don't go down that road. I didn't already tried it. It won't work. But your friend, he don't know no better. Listen to somebody that knows. All right, let's, let, let's hopefully Rayab won't do better. Maybe he just made a mistake. We all, we all make mistakes. Yeah? We all make mistakes. So maybe Rayabon just had a mental lapse in judgment, but maybe he's going to get back on top. So let, let, let's continue to read. Let's, first of all, let's see what the young people told him to, to do. Second Chronicles 10.9. And he said to them, what do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me, lighten the yoke that your father put on us? Maybe the young folk were smarter than I'm giving them credit for. Let's, let's see what they said in verse 10. And the young men who had grown up with him said to him. The ones that didn't know no more than he knew said what? Thus shall you speak to the people who said to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you lightened it for us. Thus shall you say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. Oh, Lord. Oh, these young folk is tripping, showing up. Not only is he giving bad advice, but now he's dogging his own daddy. My little finger is thicker than my daddy's thigh. What else did they tell him to do and say? And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. My daddy at least gave you 725. I'm dropping you back down to 425. You old lazy jokers, you ain't no good anyway. And I'm cutting the 20-minute break. I'm cutting it down to two. And I want you to give me the same production that you always gave me. You ever had new bosses come in and new CEOs come in? Instead of thanking everybody for all the work they've done, they just start changing all the rules and making everything hard. Wait a second, I've been here longer than you just got here. And you telling me what to do, and then you wonder why the quality already went to the ground. Now, I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say this. Uh, there comes a time, I, I'll tell you, 
and we'll tell you when not to buy a General Motors product. We work for General Motors. But when certain people come in and start acting like that, I'm going to tell you the quality ain't going to be very good because folk will not work under them type of circumstances. You got to treat people like human beings. And here's the thing. The greatest companies that are growing are the ones who give their uh, workers, they give them the best. Over in Europe, they have great production and they only work four days a week. They'll work them 10 hours a day, maybe four days a week, but go ahead and take Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. And they got money, they got health care, they got all kinds of stuff. In America, we the greatest nation in the, in the world, but we want you to work 12 hours, six days a week, and 16 hours a day. When you going to give somebody a break? All right? All right, let, let, let's go to that, wherever we were next. Verse 11, I believe. No, uh, 13 through 14a. The king answered them harshly, rejecting the advice of the elders. He followed the advice of the young men. Poor little puppy breath Ray of Balm. As the old folk would say, still wet behind his ears, thinking no. He had a moment, but he didn't maximize it. Let's, let, let, before I, I, I explain the next words, let me tell you this. At this time, there were 12 tribes of Israel, all under David. He lost, in one day, he lost 10 tribes. And from the rest of the time, it changed, and there were only two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. And so from this point on, when you read in Scripture, it talks about Israel and Judah, two different kingdoms, because in one decision, Rehoboam lost all the momentum. Now, let's look what the next verse says, verse 16. And when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, what portion have we in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Each of you to your tents, O Israel. Look now to your own house, David. So all Israel went to their tents. They basically all walked off the job. And they said, what does David mean? That's all that David had done and all that Solomon had done got lost in the moment of a horrible decision of a young man who didn't know the power of maximizing the moment to preserve the momentum. But that ain't going to be none of our young men in here, amen? amen? Or our young women in here, amen? amen? Or our old and young adults in here, amen? Because we want these miracles and we got to maximize the moments and we got to keep the momentum so the miracle can keep going. Mm. Let, let, let me jump on this real quick. We missed a moment. And I'm, when I say we, I'm talking all of us. We missed a moment when COVID was dying. We missed a moment because we ready to get rid of these masks. I'm tired of these masks. And poor little Dr. Fauci, I know people get, he get, he got on for nose, but he kept telling people, just, just hold off a little longer because it's going to spike in the fall. And it spiked in the fall. It's going to spike, it spiked again. And I'm not saying everything he said was perfect and correct, but here's the thing. It's something about us as human beings. We get in a hurry. And sometimes what we get into next is worse than what we were in before because sometimes you just got to, maximize the moment. There's a momentum. And I say all of us, because we were tired. Listen, we were tired of being in the house. We were tired of sitting down. I want to go to the beach. I, I want to go somewhere. But sometimes people go when they shouldn't go. 
They say if you're feeling bad, don't go. You got snot running all down your nose, and here you are traveling down to the airport. Go somewhere and sit down. You messing up the momentum of the rest of the healthy folk who trying to take a break. No, enough of that. Got hand sanitizer everywhere, but you won't use it. The other day, I was in uh, in Gary, Indiana, not in, in, in uh, I believe Hobart, just above Hobart. My grandfather took me to this nice restaurant, and so we got done eating. And I go to the the bathroom. I go into the bathroom. There's a man in the urinal, and I can hear what he's doing. Not that I'm trying. It's just it wasn't that big of a bathroom. And so I didn't go to use the bathroom. I went to wash my hands because I had picked up something. And so I washed my hands. And then I turned, and the guy in the urinal walked straight straight out the door. Walked right. I want to say, Joker, if you don't get your nasty stuff back and wash your hands, and you in a restaurant, and guess what? This particular restaurant had a buffet. And I know, I'm glad I was done eating. I know that Joker took his nasty hands straight to the buffet line because people don't know how to protect precious moments. It wasn't going to take you just a few seconds to wash your hands. My mama would say, dinner's ready, and we come running down. She'd say, wash your paws. She wouldn't even say hand. Wash them paws when you get in my kitchen. In other words, don't mess up the momentum in a moment. All right, let's, let's look at point number three. We're moving right along. I know some of y'all done seen the same thing. And I'm jumping on men, but some of y'all been in the bathroom with trifling women too. So I ain't even got to get on that. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, man, I, I didn't mean to say all of this, but I'm, I'm like my daddy just popped in my head. So let me just throw that out here real quick. But some stuff don't do in public bathrooms. Wait till you get home if you can. I mean, like, G- Jesus, you're messing up the whole air structure of the entire I mean, if you can't help it, I understand, but you don't live that far from, from where you at. Wait. Whoa, you messing up the moment. All right, no, enough of that. Enough of that. Point number three. You have to do what? You got to grab your moment. You maximize the moment, but one of the great ways to maximize the moment is to protect the mo- momentum. The second great way is to grab it while it's there. We used to sing a song that don't, pa- don't or pass me not, oh gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. I'm not going to let you pass me by. I'm going to grab. Like the woman with the issue of blood, I'm going to grab. Like Bartimaeus, the blind man, when Jesus was passing him by, he hollered out. He said, uh, uh, now son of David, have mercy on me. He was trying to grab the moment. Let's put this up. This is a saying that we hear all the time. Put this up, carpe diem, and all it means is seize the day. Grab the moment. I, I, I don't know what I can tell people who've already come through a crazy 2020 to know that life is not promised to none of us. Stop wasting time. Moments are precious. Grab moments. If you have time to laugh, laugh. Because life will hit you when you won't be able to laugh. When you can laugh, laugh. When, when, when you can vacation, vacation. When, when you can eat good, eat good. You, you ain't got to save all your life. When you can spend, spend. Because tomorrow is not promised to none of us. Grab the moment when you can. And make the most of the moment when you can. 
And when you have walked off of a bad job and you're waiting for a better job and a brand new special job comes and the opportunity is sitting right in front of your face, brush your teeth before you go to the interview. Take your bonnet off before you go to the interview. At least have a resume and a cover letter before you go to the interview. Grab the moment. Be ready for it. It's there for the taking. We were in a meeting not too long ago, and I won't tell you what it was for, but it was for a certain prestigious uh, type of, of job. And everybody is used to smoking weed nowadays. So they are saying all we need you to do is be able to pass the drug test, and we will tell you when you're going to be drug tested. So basically, we're giving you time to be clean. And then once we get you in the interview, we'll ask you, have you done anything within this period of time? And don't lie to us because we will find it out and folk will still lie and still flunk the drug test. I'm not here to dog you about what you do and how you medicate your pain, but can you wait three weeks to at least get the job? Can you at least wait a minute, but you don't know how to grab the moment. The moment is right there for the taking and you don't know how to grab. Some of our young people, there are scholarships right there, right under their nose, and they won't grab the moment. Some of them are not even based on A, B, and C. All you got to do is show up at class, be there on time, and you missing money because you won't grab the moment. We cannot afford not to seize the day. So I'm so passionate about this, but I don't have time to put all in it, so let me let my mother read and show you this in Scripture. Let's look at Genesis 32, 22. And he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons and passed over the ford Jabbok. This is Jacob, and Jacob had already left Laban. He has his two wives, and he's worked uh, a total of 14 years to get the one woman. And he's going, and he's getting ready to bump into his brother Esau, and he don't know what's going to happen, so he's just given the best that he can while he can. And so this is the story that we're going into. Let's go to verse 23. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. Next verse. And Jacob was left alone. Let me make a a point to you real quick. Many times the best way to maximize a moment is you need some alone time to think things through. Something Now, this is, was not a long-term separation. He was just sending them ahead for the night. Now, we always talk about cutting people off and all that stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about even people that you know you're going to reconnect with, even your loved ones. Sometimes you just need some you time. You need some time to think. Uh, sometimes I, I, I'm so concerned for our single mothers because I watch my wife with my children, and they act like she's a single mother. They will pass me up to ask her something. They'll have something in their hand. Alana specifically, she'll have it in her hand. She'll pass me up and say, Mama, can you open this? And Devin Slate, you just pass your daddy up. Have your daddy open it. I'm, I'm trying to go t- take a moment by myself. And so it's just something about 
People love their mamas. But some of y'all single mothers, you got so much on your plate. But if you have a moment where you can be alone, you don't need to be on a date. You don't need to be with your friends. You don't need to be in Miami. You can do that stuff later. You need some time alone just to think some things through. And some of us married folk, we need to be away from our spouses for just a little while to have some alone time. Don't don't always be up in his face and always up in her face. Everybody needs some moment of alone time. And guess what? We are more stressed than we've ever been. There's so much pressure on us. We all need a woosah moment. And Jacob took him a woosah moment. I'm not against therapy. I'm not against medicine. Therapy is good. Medicine is good. But sometimes we can save our moment and just take 24 hours alone, sitting down somewhere, phone off, TV off, computer off. Just sit back with some iced tea and breathe. I understand older folk now who want to live and retire and sit on the porch in their rocking chair and just rock back and forth. Sometimes there's life in just rocking back and forth and thinking thoughts to yourself. And that's a good way to maximize moment because God can speak many times when we clear up all the noise. All right, let's look at and read this verse in its entirety. And Jacob was left alone. And they wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. All right, verse 25. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. The the, the whole thing, the whole scene changed real quick. All Jacob was doing, he was by himself. He was alone. And then all of a sudden, a man came and wrestled with him. Let, let, me, let me bring it down to something we can understand, even though this is supernatural, something that we can understand. Sometimes when you are alone, you begin to wrestle with your own thoughts and wrestle with your own mind. And you have to ask and answer this question, am I good enough? Did I do enough? Sometimes our guilt shows up while we are alone. Our fear shows up while we are alone. But it's okay to sit with yourself while you are alone by yourself and think some of that stuff through. And while you are alone, sometimes the devil will tell you, kill yourself. End it all. No, no, no. Just sit yourself through all that stuff. And at the end of the day, wrestle as much as you got to wrestle to pick yourself up and move another day. I need some time by myself because at the end of the day, the biggest enemy for me maximizing my moment is me. I need to wrestle with me, with my thoughts, with my desires, with my lust, with my failures, with my worries, with my anxiety, with my fears. But when I come out, I'm not going to be the same person when I went in. I'm getting my mind together. I'm going to settle myself so I can come out and be the leader that I need to be quick story that happened last year me and Draylon were uh playing volleyball but first it was all uh four of us it was me and uh Alana versus Draylon and Dylan and so we played that game and then Draylon and I mean but Dylan and Alana left and went in the house and it was just me and Draylon and so I served it to Draylon and Draylon missed it and went out of bounds uh it ball hit in and went out of bounds and I got the point and Draylon jokingly said, he said, I like playing with somebody else 
That way I have somebody else to blame when I make a mistake. It was funny. I laughed about it, but God grabbed me real quick. He said, that's the way a lot of people operate. Instead of sitting with themselves and wrestling with themselves, they'll find somebody else to cast the blame. I need to let you know there's a common denominator in every one of the problems, and it is Y-O-U. You can blame this job and this relationship and this church and this person and that person and this neighbor and this Republican and this Democrat and here and there. But at the end of the day, the person you need to wrestle with is looking you in the mirror every day. There's some stuff you can get in, you can't blame and say the devil made me do it. And, and you can't blame and say essence made me do it and will made me do it. And, and uh, apostle didn't speak to me and that's why I did it. No, there's some stuff I did and I got in this all by myself. And God, I want to wrestle with you. I, 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 I want to grab the hand of the master because I, I can't die like this. I, 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 I know people are dying every day. And when I die and I lay down at Deliverance Temple, I don't want my pastor to have to make up a bunch of lies about me. I'm going to wrestle and get myself together so that when I die, people can really be celebrating knowing where I went. Because the truth of the matter is I'm living two lives and three lives and four lives and we got a lot of folk living a lot of lives but when you by yourself you got to deal with all that junk but I'm so glad that there's a God that will jump down and grab me when I'm mixed up he'll grab me when I was addicted, he will grab me. When, when I was depressed, he will grab me. When, when I was backslidden, he grabbed me. When I was falling, he grabbed me. When I was failing, he grabbed me. I'm going to hold to God's unchanging hand. I'm going to hold to the hand of the master, the God of the universe, the creator of my life. He won't let me die like this. I know the fat lady singing, but I'm not going to end like this. I'm not born to lose. I was built to win. I was built to battle back. I'm going to grab a hold of this. I'm going to grab my moment. I'm going to repent. I'm going to tell God I'm sorry. I'm not going to live a crazy life. I'm going to be everything God called me to be. What God has for me, it is for me. I'm not losing it. I'm not giving it up. It belongs to me. This is my moment. This is my season. I got to grab it. I may not get another chance. This is my chance. Got to grab it. Told this story before, and I'll tell it, tell it again. Story about construction man doing construction way up in one of these tall, tall towers, like these cell phone towers, one of these tall, tall towers. And the thing that he was up there on snaps and breaks. And they see this man dangling from the air. And everybody, they called the fire department. They called everything. They try to get the, uh, the, the, the like something, if he falls, the cushion is fall. But everybody knows that this guy's just seconds from his death. And somehow he held on. And they finally got him down. And they asked him, and said, how in the world? Did you hold on that long? How is it humanly possible for you to hold on that long? He said, no, 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 no. When the thing snapped, I quickly grabbed the thing and wrapped it around my waist and tied it to the other thing. And so it looked like I was holding it, but it was really holding me. 
should have died a long time ago. It looked like I was holding God, but God was holding me. It looked like that. that it looked like it was over for me. And I should have gave up after my divorce. I should have gave up after they fired me. I should have gave up after my son got locked up. I should have gave up after my mother died. But something was holding me. You couldn't see it. But I know God had his hands on me. And God has his arms wrapped around me. And God's been holding me all this time. I am what I am because God is holding me. But all he did is he grabbed the moment and grabbed the thing that was holding him. Paul said, I want to apprehend the thing that has apprehended me. The only reason why you're still here is because God was holding you. I don't know who I'm talking to, but some of y'all done cried all through the night. Not one day, not two days, but for months at a time. Every time your head hit the pillow, every time when you walk outside, people talk about how strong you are. You're a strong black woman. You're a strong white woman. You're a strong black man. You're a strong white man. But the truth of the matter is when you lay your head to rest, life comes crashing down on you and your pillow is covered with sweat and tears and you don't know how you're going to make it another day. You need Xanax. You need Morgan David. You need everything just to keep you going. But I'm here to let you know it wasn't the Xanax that preserved you. It wasn't the Morgan David that preserved you. It wasn't General Motors that preserved you. It wasn't the government that preserved you. But God bottled up every one of your tears. He stepped down into your situation. He pulled you up out of the muck and out of the mire. He pulled you out of the pit you're in. You're not going to die. You're not going to fail. You're going to bounce back for this because God's got his hands on you. He got a Holy Ghost lasso that he's lassoing you. And the Bible says with love and kindness have I drawn thee and shown you my salvation. You were addicted, but God is pulling you out. You were messed up, but God is pulling you out. You were broke, but God is pulling you out. You were dying, but God is pulling you out. I serve a God that will reach down in the lowest minute and pull you up and pull you all the way out. If you've ever been pulled out, why don't you shout hallelujah? God pulled me out. He pulled me out. He, he pulled me out. Lord, it was you. It was you pulling me through. It was God. Should have lost my mind, almost lost my mind, almost went crazy, almost committed suicide. I should have been dead and gone, but God. The greatest two words sometimes that you can ever hear is, but God. I was dying, but God. My marriage was on the rocks, but God. My child was going crazy, but God. I lost my job, but God. I lost my mind, but God. But God. Let's look at verse 26. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, God, you've been holding me, but I'm not letting you go till you bless me, God. Listen, I, I don't mind you blessing everybody else, but I, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. I'm standing in the need of prayer. 
Everybody think I'm strong. Everybody think I never crack and never break. But God, while I got you here, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. I'm not letting you go till you turn me around. I'm not letting you go till you deliver me. I'm not letting you go till you change me, God. I'm holding on. And I'm getting what belongs to me. Because this is my moment. I ain't worried about your moment. This is my moment. Let me, let me be honest with you. Many times in my moments, it didn't happen in a church. Wasn't no or, organ, no drum beating. Many times my moment was somewhere in my house. One time it was literally in my closet. The Bible talks about going in your prayer, prayer closet. And it doesn't mean actually getting in a closet. But I, I was struggling so much, I actually got in a literal closet. And said, God, I need you to help me. It was in 2008. I remember like it was yesterday. For eight years, it took us eight years to have our our first child. And Draylen came. And I was so happy that I finally had my hands on the thing I prayed for. And stuff just started going crazy in life. Here's the thing I need you to understand. When you're close and you got your hands on your blessing, the devil will do everything to shake it loose from you. Everything to make you believe God has forgotten about you. So in 2008, my brother Jonathan got sentenced to prison. My uncle Mario was murdered over $900. I would have gave the man the money to keep my uncle alive. And then, wow, when I got to the wake of my uncle, when we got in the room, I just put the bags down in Maryville, Indiana. I'll never forget it. My wife gets a call, and her face changes altogether. And she looks at me, and I said, what's wrong? And she goes into the bathroom and comes back out. She said, my mama's been diagnosed with breast cancer. I'm like, God, I just got my baby, but everything's going crazy. I had a book called Faith One-on-One that wasn't flying off the shelves. as dust was coming collected on the books. The books seemed like it was failing. My brother's locked up. My uncle's dead. My mother-in-law has breast cancer. I'm like, God, how much can I take? But I'm going to keep holding you, God. I'm going to keep, I got to trust in you, God. I got to believe in you, God, because can't nobody else kick me out. And while I was sitting there in that hotel room, just thinking, my God, how worse can this year get? I heard these simple words and the old song that rang up in my spirit. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because I know who holds the future. And life is worth living because he lives. My uncle's dead, but he lives. My brother's in prison, but he lives. My mother-in-law has breast cancer, but he lives. But let me tell you something. Ten years later, my mother no longer has breast cancer, has a clean bill of health. My brother's no longer locked up. God brought him out. I serve a God that if you hold on to him and let him hold on to you, he can turn that situation all the way around. The only thing that didn't come back, my uncle didn't come back. That's the only thing that didn't come back. But my mother with her awesome anointed self was able to one day go in a courtroom and tell the man that murdered her brother that we forgive you. I serve a God that is beyond your comprehension. 
And don't you think when she's sitting up here reading the Bible that she ain't never been through nothing. She she been through hell, but she know how to bounce back because we got the spirit of God in us and nothing will keep us down. Won't let you go till you bless me. Last verses, verse 27. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Verse 28. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. What? You have overcome. In other words, you done grabbed some stuff from God that didn't necessarily have to go to you, but you pulled some stuff out. With your tenacity, with, 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 with your strength and with, with everything within you you, you, you pull something all the way out. All right, let's go to the next verse. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. Now, here, here's the thing. Sometimes when stuff happens to us, we got to put a name on it. I, 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 cancer was definitely in my body. They found it on the MRI. And two months later, they couldn't find it. And you're trying to figure out, well, maybe I didn't have it. You're trying to put a name on it. But God said, you ain't, you, I'm going to do something that you can't even put a name on. It, it ain't even going to make sense. It's going to blow your mind. I'm going to give you a mind-boggling blessing. I'm going to give you a crazy blessing. You can't name it. You can't give nobody credit to it. All you can say is look at what the Lord has done. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Final verse, verse 30. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. First, the scripture says he wrestled with a man. Then second, he says he asked the man's name, and he said nothing to him. And then it dawned, dawned, dawned on Jacob. I was touching God. There are some moments in your life that it was God carrying you, and you never knew. Oh, man, I, I, I didn't mean to go, go this far, but let, let me say something that happened to me. Like my, my first, first year in, in Marion, Indiana, I, I got forced on a truck, and I, I'm used to driving Fort Bliss, and I'm used to driving trucks, but I was on this job. It was a fast-paced job, and I had my force high in the air, and I set my basket down, and as I was coming down, the whole basket was coming down. I paused the brakes, and I didn't know what to do because if I moved another inch, everything was coming down. And I don't know if it's going to hit me, hit anything. But for one thing, they was going to take me off the truck. That's one thing. I, my, my job was going to be over. I was going to hurt something, hurt somebody. And I was looking around, and nobody came. I said, God, you've got to help me get out of this. And the line is still moving. i got to get back to the line. And here I am stuck. And normally there's all this traffic, and there was no traffic on this particular aisle. And here's this one guy come with his truck, and he says, I got you. He sticks his Forks way up in, in the sky. He grabs it, and he says, you go and go do what you got to do. So then I went and did what I got to do, and I came back to thank him. And I still ain't found that man since. I've been working in Marion 10 years. It took me almost a year to realize that wasn't nothing but an angel that came there and got me out of the situation. I, I, 
I kept saying, I don't know why I've never seen that trucker. And I start asking people, you know, the, the, the guy, it, it was a white guy with, with a beard, with a red beard. I'm like, I don't know who that is. And I, I would go to people. It took me a while to realize God came in and rescued me. And you don't know how many times an angel stepped in and pulled you out of something. You, you better not turn your back on God. You better not backslide now. You better not stop coming to church now. This is your moment. You better grab it because God been good to you and, and God been good to you and God been good to you and God didn't leave you and, and God didn't quit on you and you should have been dead. But God, put this, put this point up. We're coming to a close. When you've had a God encounter, you'll never forget it. You'll always remember when you grabbed a God moment. Yesterday I had a preacher in Union City at a big open air thing where a lot of free food and a lot of things. And, and the pastor told me, he just warned me to share the word. And I asked God, what should I say? And he said, just tell him your testimony. And I won't take time to tell you all. Some of y'all know my testimony, how God did what he did and the vision I seen while I was in college. And I just told them my testimony. And I started crying while I was preaching it because I'm reminded that, man, I was a mixed up, messed up fool. I shouldn't be pastoring. I shouldn't have a mic in my hand. The direction I was going was down, but God, you rescued me. He pulled me out. I'm a grateful God. If y'all don't come to church, I'd still be happy and preaching for God. I'll preach somewhere. And that's another thing they say on my job. They see me riding around, moving my mouth. I'm preaching the air. I'm preaching the steel. I'm preaching the dust. I preach cutting the grass, taking a shower. Because God rescued me. Let, me. let me pause with something just a little comical. When I got done preaching, and I looked over and my daughter was over there just clapping. She was looking at, she was clapping, just as like, 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 like she had enjoyed what I said. And when we got back in the car, she said, Daddy, that was good. But was all that stuff true? <laughs> that was good, but was you lying a little bit? <laughs> it tickled me. Because if, you, if you've never heard my story and how God pulled me out, it is amazing. So that, that tickled me. Now, out of the mouth of babes. Here's the last point, and then we'll, we'll move into our communion. Point number four. You have to routinely commemorate the most important moments. I think it was Dottie. People say, when I look back over my life, I realize I got a testimony. You, you, you don't need a church to commemorate the special moments. Sometimes just in your car, car, just lift your hand. Now, please be driving when you lift your hand. But sometimes you just lift your hand and say, God, I thank you. Sometimes in the house, just walking through and say, thank you, Lord. You, you, you got to remember the special moments. See, see, listen, bad stuff will keep happening to you. You're not done dealing with bad stuff. So what you got to learn how to do is celebrate the good stuff. You, you got to go back in your mind and celebrate what God has already done. Today might be bad, but he was good yesterday. Tomorrow may be troublesome, but he was good yesterday. I'm going to celebrate the good moments. Celebrate good times. Come on. 
and celebrate. So how we celebrate, one way we do it is monthly. We celebrate with something called communion. It says, in remembrance. You know why I remember him, Apostle Mitchell? Because he remembered my sins no more. Put him in the sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more. So I remember him. Let's put up our first verse, Mark 14, 22. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and break it and gave to them and said, take, eat, this is my body. If you have your wafer, would you just take and eat, remembering the body of the Lord that was crucified for you. He was crucified for the whole world, but make it personal. He was crucified for you. Next verse. And he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. Come on, all of us, let's drink of it. Reminded of his blood that we accept to wash all of our sins. And his blood is our one-way ticket to heaven. If somehow I leave this earth to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. But I can guarantee you I'm on an elevator up because of his blood. Last verse, verse 24. And he said unto them, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Shed for many. And guess what? I plan to be a part of the many. Maximizing my moment. Come on. Let's stand to our feet and repeat this after me. From this day forward, I am maximizing my moment. I am maximizing my miracle moment. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you. We love you and we honor you. God, we are seizing the day, seizing the moment. And sometimes in order to seize the day and the moment, we have to repent. So, God, we're sorry for thoughts, for words, for attitudes, for actions that didn't line up with you. But you are so good to us. You loved us beyond our faults, and you saw our needs. So, God, we grab our wealth. We grab our health. We grab peace in mind. We grab saved loved ones. We even grab strength for our week. We even grab strength for the end of the day because the devil will try to mess with us before we even end Sunday. But we tell the devil and we serve him notice to get out of our face with your ugly, slew-footed self. We belong to God and we're grabbing our moments. If there's anybody under the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus in the pardon of their sins, God, I'm praying you would save the backslidden, and that you would save those who never knew you. And God, I pray that you would move now in this auditorium, this sanctuary, as well across the airwaves into all the ways people will watch this service and save them to the utmost because Jesus saves. And those that listen to me, all you have to do is believe and receive and you shall be saved. And that's the best way you can maximize your moment is believe and receive in Jesus' name. And let everybody say, Amen. Amen.
God bless you all. I love you so much. Have a special and a wonderful week. All right, you are dismissed.